last time we went with the Akeda binding of Isaac, we did it with Rashi. Commentary of Rashi. Today, we're going to try and see what happens if we look at the commentary of Ramban, which is Nachmanides. So Nachmanides. But first, I want to just finish the story. And then we'll get to Nachmanides. Okay. So we got up to where Abraham... Um, where Abraham tells his two, his two assistants, which if you recall was Yishmael and Eliezer, and he tells them, dudes, you stay here, and we're going to go and do our thing. And sure enough, that's what he, what he does. So verse 6 over here, Vayikach Avraham et Abraham took. Rabbi, yeah. There is. Yes, yes, because chamor means it has comes from the word chomer in Hebrew, chumriut, which means the material. It's the opposite of spiritual. Right. And it says also about the donkey. The donkey is a very cold animal. Uh-huh. Cold. It says. Chamra bitkufa de Tamuz Krirale. That even in Tammuz, when it's very hot, the donkey is cold. So it represents material material world from the word Khumriyut. And we find the donkey makes several appearances in the Torah. And starting with Abraham with this story, there's also with Moses that Moses took his family on the Chamor. To go down to Egypt. And then at the end of history, you have Mashiach. The Mashiach comes on the donkey. Right. On the chamor. Ani v'rochev ala chamor. So Hasidus explains that really this is everything that, that the history is about. Is taking the material world and elevating it. Okay. Using it for a holy purpose. So And you see a progression. The progression with Abraham, what does he use the chamor for? He puts he puts the items on the chamor. He doesn't ride the chamor. No human goes on this chamor, just items. Right. And then with the next one, he the with Moshe, he also doesn't go on the chamor. His family goes on the chamor. And then with, with Mashiach, it further progresses that he himself goes on the chamor. And it shows this progression of our of our interaction with the material world that it progresses and that more and more the material world is not a conflict to spirituality. It's not a conflict to God. It's not a conflict to truth, to Torah, etc. And that's the significance of Hamor. In the particular context over here, I think that what he's, say, what he's saying is Eliezer and, and Yishmael, as great as they were, they connected more with the with the chamor, with the chumriyut of the world. And Yitzchak, what he represents, is absolute, extreme spirituality where he's giving up his very life. It's the opposite of chumriyut. Okay. 
remember we did the class, one of our GLI classes, we talked about fire, the reason that the soul is compared to fire. So I heard from Rabbi Ari Solish, he spoke it at length, that fire is has something to it which is the opposite of anything in the physical world, which everything in the physical world is trying to protect itself, to expand upon itself. And fire wants to disappear. It's trying to jump off of the flame. This is why fire is an, a metaphor for the soul. It's an apt metaphor for the soul because the soul has this quality of the opposite of self. It wants to become one with God. That's the nature of the soul. And so Hamor is the opposite. Homriyut is, is earth. It's, 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 it's weighing downward. And the soul is Aish. It wants to go up. So it's, it's, it's hot. Aish is hot. Hamor is cold. And it's Humriyut, which is it's his gra- gravitational pull to the physical. And I think this contrast is being made over here between Yitzchak and uh, Yishmael and, and Eliezer. And is that the same for both the godly soul and the uh, animal soul? Exactly. Exactly, right. The animal soul is, is very concerned with its own self it needs validation gets very offended if you don't say hello to the animal soul if you don't give him the right place in the synagogue putting me in the back row i gotta sit up front in the mizrach vant my father always jokes that uh, in his shul people want, always wanted to sit in the back all the way in the back like sitting in the back we have a similar problem in our shul. Everyone likes to sit in the back. So my father said he's going to make a shul with only one row, one huge back row, very wide. The Kitzra yes, the animal soul needs validation. It needs to expand itself, aggrandize itself. And the godly soul doesn't need that. To the contrary, it wants to be subsumed, swallowed up in the bigger fire of the divine. Good question. <laughs> Six. So Vayikach Avraham Abraham took the wood of the Ola. Vayosem al Yitzchok Benoi he placed it upon his son Yitzchok Vayikach Biyadoi he took in his hand the fire and the macheles. What's the macheles? Macheles is the knife. Why is macheles? The typical word used for knife is sakin. Sakin is a knife. Machelet is an unusual word for knife, I think. But uh, as Rashi explains, it comes from the word lechol, which means to eat. And you need, you need a knife to eat. You need a knife to eat. They went together. But Rashi also says the Macheles is that the Jewish people are going to eat, so to speak, the rewards of this event. The rewards of this event of Isaac and Abraham showing such self-sacrifice, the Jewish people are going to, so, so to speak, eat the rewards of this event. That's why I use this unusual expression. Consumes. Consumes it. 
But he already said Aish. At the Aish. So it would be repetitive if it meant fire, no? So then maybe it's the, the torch? Maybe it's the torch that he and the fire on top. Mm-hmm. So I, it might be also called Ma'achel. Okay. Well, let's have a look. Maybe the, the com- other commentators disagree with Rashi that Ma'achelet is a knife. They both went together. What's striking in this pasuk? First of all, you have a number of things. You have the wood, you have the fire, and you have that. Um, you know, he has Yitzchak carrying the wood, and he's carrying the fire. And I think the the Torah is giving you very descriptive of what's happening here. That this is this is very real. And interestingly, also that the Torah refers to him Yitzchak Beno, Yitzchak his son. It's emphasizing that. You know, Abraham knows this is his son, and, and you know, it's showing the the uh, the test that he has to go through. This is his son. Then they're walking together. It says the next verse, Yitzchak says to his father, Abraham his father, and, and here again, it's emphasizing his father. We know that he's his father, but the verse emphasizes it. This is his father. He says, my father. He says, I'm here, my son. Right? So you see the affection of the father and the son. The Torah study. I mean, this is all extra words. You could just say, Isaac said to his father, or Isaac said to Abraham, there's the fire in the wood. Get straight to the point. No, this whole half of the verse is this whole interaction of saying, Father, my son. I once talked about this on, uh, I think, Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur, that there's a beautiful lesson here in parenting. That when your when your son speaks to you, the first thing you answer is, "Here I am, I'm here." You put down your phone, and you say, "I'm here, son. I'm listening." That's the first thing. It's also a lesson for the son that the way he speaks to his father, my father. He doesn't say, "Yo, can you pass me the ketchup?" So what does he say? What does Yitzchak say? Here's the fire. I see the fire, I see the wood. But where is the sheep? Uh, the uh, for the for the for the offering. For the uh, for the ascendant offering. Ola. He's getting a little suspicious over here. Getting a little nervous. And Avram says, God will show God it is God who will see to the sheep for this burnt offering. My son. And as Rashi says, he's hinting to him, that it's going to be you. And how does the verse conclude? They go both together. So here you see, in the previous verse, I'm sorry, two verses before it says, they both went together. And then it repeats those exact same words, And as Rashi points out, the Torah is telling you here that just as in two verses ago, Isaac is going, he doesn't know any better, and he's going with his father. And now in this verse, after he finds out, God's going to provide the sheep. Oh, really? He finds out that he is the sheep. And still, in the same way that he was going before, he's ready to go. If that's what needs to happen, he's on board. I'm sorry, I don't understand this part. Um, 
because he's the father saying God's going to provide the sheep. Yeah. How does that indicate to Isaac that he, in fact, is going to be the sacrifice? I don't understand. Yeah, so that comes from, from Rashi. So Rashi tells us that between the lines, Abraham is actually telling him that he's going to be the sheep. So let me open up Rashi. This means as much as he will look out for and choose a lamb for himself, meaning for God. And there will be no lamb for a burnt offering. Then Bini, my son, will be the offering. Although Isaac then understood that he was traveling on to be slain, yet they went both of them together with the same ready heart. And this is from the Medrash, Genesis Rabbah 56.4. It's kind of subtle in the verse. You don't catch it. But Rashi Spells it out for us, and it helps us understand why it repeats it again. You see the, the continuity of that phrase. Banyatna. Okay. Isaac, there's differences of opinion how old he was. I think when Ibn Ezra has him, the, the youngest. But um, according to many opinions, already in his 30s, he was not. Uh, not a child, right, right. There are opinions that he was younger. Okay. So now they come to the place that God had told him, that God told Abraham from the beginning. He says, I want you to go to Mount Moriah. Um, he didn't tell him exactly where, but eventually he, he sees the place and he says, okay, this is where you think because he saw the cloud. And as the Midrash says, only him and, and uh, Yitzchak could see it. Cloud upon the mountain. So Abraham goes and builds the altar. And he sets up the wood. So he binds Yitzchak, his son. And he places him upon the altar, upon, upon the wood. I've never thought about it this way. Isaac is old enough, yet he's not objecting. Yeah. He's yeah. He's going in all Right. Yeah, I thought that too. He's not resisting at all. He's just allowing himself to be bound. He knows he's going to be that this is both a test for Abraham and a test for Isaac. As we saw from the first Rashi there, that, you know, what did this come, what triggered this whole thing? And it says, after these things, but as Rashi says, after these words, what were the words? And so it's the words of Satan saying, you know, what's, what's with this Abraham character? He didn't offer you any sacrifice after he, he made this party. And God says, let me show you what he's willing to sacrifice to Satan. And then it's also after the words of Yishmael, because Yishmael says to Isaac, you know, who are you to, to inherit Abraham? I am greater than you because I had my bris on the 13th year of my life when I was already capable of protesting. So I'm really should be the heir of Abraham. I'm a committed, I'm a committed Jew. Who are you? You had your bris when you were eight days old. You had no choice in the matter. You were a baby. You couldn't protest. And Isaac says, if God would ask me to give my entire life, I wouldn't protest. So we see right away from the beginning of Rashi that this is both 
a test to show what's special about Abraham and what's special about Isaac. They're completely selfless individuals. So verse 10 says, Vayishlach Avram Abraham stretched forth his hand. So here you clearly see it's a knife. And he picks up the knife, he takes the knife to slaughter his son. And a angel of heaven calls out to him from the heavens. And he says to him, Abraham, Abraham. He says, here I am. The same word that he used from the beginning when God tells him, hello. He says, I'm here. And the same thing he told Isaac. He says the same thing to the angel of God. Now, why does he say Abraham, Abraham? Rashi tells us Abraham, Abraham means it's a it's a it's a expression of, of affection. When you call somebody by their name twice, you love somebody, you want to say their name. When you say it twice, it shows an extra measure of affection. According to other commentators, Abraham Abraham means you, you know Abraham Abraham, stop. It's like when you want to stop somebody, say, hey, hey, hey. Yes, it's a, it's an expression of uh, you know this is this is dangerous. <laughs> so he says, "Here I am." By Yomer, the angel says, "Al tishlach You see, in throughout the story, where things are not just said, there's like a first, at first, an interaction of communication, like, "Hello, I'm here. Talk to me." Very interesting lesson in communication you can't jump right into the conversation first you got to make sure we're both listening to each other so he says al tishlach don't stretch forth your hand to the to the child to the lad don't do anything to him don't even make a scratch on him uma is like nothing because now i know that you are God-fearing. You did not hold back. You didn't withhold your son, your only son, from me. So let's 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 look at that again. So he tells him first of all, this whole thing is off. Don't slaughter your son. And why? So he says, now I know. Now I know. I got, if we, we, this, this, this thing was, was for a purpose to know something, and now I know it. I know that you are God-fearing. How do I know that? Because you didn't withhold your son, your only son, from me. That means you're truly committed to God. And, uh, something very important here. There's two, sure. There's two phrases. Uh, Abraham does not have a problem to talk directly to God. Yet, it's the angel who addresses him or at least pays his attention and then this verse verse 12 finished mineni as if mineni the angel for me for me the angel and not for me the god for me god right. uh, I, I don't know if there's any uh, any kind of uh, rabbinical or 
interpretation, like why is that duality? Why? It's a great. It's a great point. It, it talks to the angel as if the angel was God and not talk directly to God, and vice versa. God talked to him through an angel, and it could have talked to him directly. It's an excellent, excellent point. And even within um, within this very verse, is contradictory because he right. says you are f you fear God. It doesn't say you fear me. Right. He says I know as if he's God that you are God fearing. Yeah. So actually, we have this in um, in this in the, earlier in the parsha as well that an angel speaks as if in the, in God's name. Right. And as as if he's God, because the angel really is just a He's a messenger of God. So in the Torah, you sometimes have, you sometimes have that, where the angel basically sp speaks, in the as if he's God. Mm -hmm. um, still requires more commentary. You know why? Why does he say you're f fearful of God? That just say that you fear me. You know, um, but but the simple explanation is he's you know he's basically speaking on God's behalf. That's what that's what is happening. Um, but I did hear a very beautiful interpretation once about this, which you started saying, Iran, that when God first, you said, you know, Abraham doesn't have a problem speaking with God and God doesn't have a problem speaking with Abraham. So what's happening here? So there's an interesting lesson that we derive from here that I heard. I forgot where I heard it, but it's a beautiful vort, beautiful idea. That when God tells him to slaughter his son, he himself comes to Abraham. But when he comes... To save the boy, it's an angel. Interesting. Why? So I heard the story like this. That there was once a rabbi in a little shtetl. And somebody knocked on his door and he came to him with a proclamation. A proclamation that was written by another rabbi, a great rabbi. That it was a proclamation that a certain uh, Jew or a certain Jewish community is going to be is going to be um, excommunicated. So the rabbi was a very great rabbi in the shtetl. He was a quiet rabbi. And he said, you know, the rabbi really wants to get your signature on this proclamation of this excommunication of this individual or this community. And the rabbi said, you know, I really don't want to sign such a thing. I don't want to sign it. So the messenger told him, look, you know, this other rabbi who's like an angel of God signed it. So you should also sign it. So he told him like this. If you read the Akedah, when God comes to, to Abraham, he speaks to him himself. But when it comes to saving the boy, it's an angel. So why? He says, because to save a fellow Jew, even if only an angel comes and tells you, you listen to him. But if it's a command to take the life of a human being, then only if God himself tells you, do you listen. Even if an angel of God would have came to Abraham and said, take your son, he wouldn't have listened. This is why God himself had to come. So he says, you're coming to me to get me to sign a holier-than-Jew proclamation, and with this you are destroying character assassination of these people that you're excommunicating it's very nice that you have an angel of god that signed over there but only if god himself will come to me and tell me to sign it then i'll sign it
Till then, I will leave the holier than Jew to you. So this... Huh? That doesn't explain the, the, that last part, but it, God talks to uh, Abraham in a vision. Where here, there's actually an action in action. Somebody had to go down to the real world to stop, uh, you know, to stop an action. And uh, that's why God sent the, the Malach to the real world to... Uh, uh-huh. To the physical world yeah. to stop him. Interesting. So it's not in a vision. It's it's you got to do it right now. Ah, so very good. Very good. Now, it, it still needs an explanation why Yare. Right. And, uh, yeah. Very good. Yeah, I, I, I had also kind of rabbi problem here. It is that uh, if you're thinking, you know, when uh, at first God asked him. Any any father, I mean, uh, how he can think of uh, you know slaughtering his son? I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I don't see here, for example, some kind of uh, resistance from yeah. Abraham to say, I offer ten cows instead. Or something. <laughs> you know, that's a very good question, Aria. We I don't want to go over it again because I, I we addressed it and the first time we went on here, Brad was uh, asking basically a similar question and I will send you the uh, recording of that the title of the recording is why didn't Abraham argue with God over for his son as he did for Sodom I mean he argued for Sodom a bunch of no goodniks he, he tried to save them and his own son he says okay no problem precisely <laughs> huh precisely yeah, so I'll I'll send you the uh, the link to the podcast. That that's the title of it. Uh, why didn't Abraham argue with Sodom, with God over 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 Isaac as he did with Sodom? So so, so you mentioned something. He he was so attuned to God. So, so God made this kind of a promise multiple times that you be a father and multitude of nations. And Ishmael's already banished, and I, I still have problems with this. And if you can review your answer again, or maybe it's in the buried in the recorded, why why in the world would uh, uh, Abraham ask uh, God like what's going on? I don't with your request. All right. Well, the si- the simple, quick answer is that Abraham. This is the whole test. Will Abraham? Um, continue to have a dedication to God that he showed in everything else. And the the um, the reverence for God, the love for God, the knowledge that God is the creator of everything, including creator creator of Abraham, including the creator of Isaac. He gave him Isaac, and mm-hmm. and including the creator of the relationship of a father and a son. That all comes from God, and that God is the ultimate of goodness, and of kindness. And that if God is asking it, even if it doesn't make sense to him. He's ready to do it. That's the whole. That's what the whole test is about. And uh, in fact, when when uh, Moshe Rabbeinu Moses comes to God and he says, "You know why you? I made it worse when I went to Pharaoh. Things just got worse. So what? Are, what are you doing to this people?" God says, "God says, Ah, Abraham. When I told him to sacrifice his son, he didn't." He didn't say, hey, this, that. And you, Moses, you're quetching already. 
Abraham, <laughs> Abraham, <laughs> where's Abraham? So, so it, would be, it would be a failure of the test to raise the question. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Again, they, again, they have to go back to the, um, to the uh, podcast where we talked about, you know, right wh on, when, the when the, uh, when do this, when do our, our holy prophets like Moses and Abraham, when do they stand up to God, so to speak? When do they fight with God? When do they argue with God? And when they when do they not? So I don't want to go cover that again. Uh, but but yeah, this is the, this the simple explanation. But it's, very, it's very easy. They argue when they need to save others, uh, not when they need to save themselves. In this case, Isaac is part of the. Yeah 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 well, yeah. This, yeah, this, yeah. This is kind of re this is kind of repeated even into this day with uh, normal people in everyday life when someone has say a child who dies of a disease I'm sure that those parents are praying to god please heal this child that god did not now at what point did they say i accept this at what point did they turn against god mm. Mm -hmm. interesting interesting it's tough to the ages right right yeah okay uh let's do one more verse oh, i I do, I do want to go go further uh so so iran raised a very good point about the the you know the tense here of the the angel talking as if he's god and so forth but let's go back and see what the angel says what god says is now i know right and as we talked i think at the beginning is god says from rashi god says to God says to Abraham, do me a favor, right? He says, please do me a favor and pass this test. Why? Because if you don't pass the test, people are going to say that the other nine tests that you passed were nothing. And we ask the question, well, if you get one answer wrong out of a 10 questions, you still get a 90%. You don't fail. And God is saying, if you fail this test, you failed everything. We explained that these nine didn't really prove that Abraham is, uh, is really 100% dedicated to God. Because in each of those, in each of those, you could say it was something in, in Abraham's nature. He was able to, you know, it fit with his own agenda. In this story, there's nothing that fits with Abraham's agenda, not his physical agenda of his, the relationship with his son, the love of his son. Right. And in the beginning of the story, Asher Hafta that you love, you know, this is not this was a, a child that he loved. Uh, he loved both of his children and. Also from his spiritual world, where his whole life is dedicated to teaching about God. And now this is going to be a disaster for his whole program, because he's been telling everybody that God said Isaac is the future and blah, 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 blah. And what's next? What happened to Isaac? Uh, I slaughtered him. You slaughtered him? Who told you to slaughter him? Uh, God? The same God who said that Isaac is going to be the future? Yeah. I mean, this is just destroying everything that he has, physically, spiritually, his legacy. If any way you look at it, there is absolutely nothing that makes sense for Abraham to do it other than that God told him to do it. And so this is the real proof that he has dedication to god the other things you can find excuses why he did it you know people have people do things that are you know seem righteous or that seem selfless but you can find some kind of you know excuse of why they did it that's not a hundred percent altruistic selfless 
In this case, you can't find anything. And so that's why he says, Atto Yodaiti. Now I know, not from those other nine tests, from this tenth test, that you are truly Israeli Kim because you didn't withhold your son, your only son. The other thing I wanted to say about the verse is that if you remember when we started, God kind of, uh, you know, um, speaks to him in, in an interesting way. He says, take your son. And, and Abraham responds, according to the Midrash, Rashi quoted it, uh, you know, I got two sons. And God says, your only son. And Abraham says, I got two only sons. Each one is the only son to his mother, Ishmael and Isaac, Ishmael to Hagar and Isaac to Sarah. So he says, the one that you love, like God is playing with him. The one that I love, I love them both. So finally, says God says, Et Yitzchak. But interestingly, over here, it repeats that, but it leaves off the third one, the one you love. It doesn't say, you did not withhold from me your son, your only son, the one you love. It leaves off the one that you love. To me, just off the bat, without seeing any of the commentators, it seems to me that God is agreeing with Abraham that when, it, when I say the one that you love, that doesn't really identify which one because Abraham does love both sons, Yitzchak and Yishmael. And, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that, that he loves Yishmael but the same way that he loves Yitzchak. Is Yitzchak more righteous? Yes, but he loves both sons equally. And you see that with Isaac too, where he loves Esav, he loves Yaakov, even though Esav is you know, a little bit of a disappointment. He loves him, he's his son. But here God is, is, is specifically referring to Isaac as his son, his only son, right? And this goes back to the idea that part of the whole point of the Akedah is to show that Isaac is the one who is going to inherit Abraham's legacy. He is his son in the sense of his being his heir. He is his only son in the sense of Yishmael not being a part of that legacy. So that's what it, it seems like to me, but uh, I haven't see, seen any of the commentators yet on that. So that's just my reflections on this verse off the top of my head. And I'll open it up to any comments before we sign off for tonight. So some observation that I have. Yes. And it could be also an interpretation. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, God is testing Abraham, who is increasing his, uh, I would say, belief in God. Okay. Um, I think when when Abraham goes to Egypt, he is very he's kind of selfish, right? He's willing to uh, ask uh, Sarai, let's let's uh, let's lie, tell you that you're uh, sister, you're my sister, so they would spare on you know basically they would spare me, right? In in other words, uh, he's kind of more self-centered, and as he progresses, right? This is he gives up more from himself uh this is the climate right this is the the top of the top interesting and another way to look at yechidcha is from the word yechida um singularity like like yourself that you're giving up yourself uh for me that's another way of, of looking at it beautiful beautiful thank you Iran. anybody else Want to comment on this or anything else? I mean, you know, Rabbi Sachs, before he died, did a great 
uh, interpretation of Icare. It, it was also also uh, you know um, Leonard Cohen that died in Parsha Vaera, and he had this really a beautiful interpretation of uh, Leonard Cohen's last song and Vaera. Uh, if you ever heard of it, I did not. All I know yeah. is Hallelujah. We had that uh, sung at, at our dinner we did a couple years ago. And we had um, singers, but I warned him he has to say hallelujah <laughs> because you can't say God's name <laughs> with a Y. And uh, it gave him a heads up on that. We were, we were, very, we were very religious about it. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. Leonard Cohen does have a piece on this. It's a it's I mean it's a it's not an easy piece of the Torah. It's a lot of people just like to skip over it. Okay, we're going to the next chapter. <laughs> but it's really a very very deep and very, very Well, his, his last his last his last piece is called Make It Darker and he and he he, he echoes certain themes of Vaira, uh, Inani and all that. Right. Right, Inani exactly. Right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a slice of heaven. We'll look forward to seeing you. I'm on again tomorrow night. Rabbi Yale and I have a new schedule going. So I do Sunday, Monday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So we get to see each other back to back. All right. Thank you. Laila Tov. Shiebat Slacha.